It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. Welcome to this week's episode of America's Car Radio Show. This is our auto expert. I'm Nick Miles. In the studio with us is Redhead Chris and also Jen. Uh, This week, we have a lot of things going on in the show. Uh, Jen, you have scheduled a lot of guests for us to talk to. Uh, Who's on the show? Uh, Today, we have uh, Roman Micah. Yep. We have Brandon Ramirez from uh, Hyundai. You're looking down the list now, aren't you? Yeah. Because it's a long list. (laughs) Dave Larson. Banked. Oh, Banked. Frank Halverson, car and driver. Yeah. Uh, he's the environmental editor. Yeah, and of course, Anton Woolman. Crazy Anton. We're, of course, going to talk about uh, tariffs and, you know, all the stuff we talk about. And, Anton of course, Peter. Peter from Voyo. Oh, yeah. Okay. Peter from Voyo, mm-hmm. which is a very cool thing you can attach to your car. You, know, you need to listen to that. All right. Let's talk about what's been going on the last few weeks. So Maserati uh, Alfa Romeo had their very first event uh, for all the mass media to visit in Detroit. It was kind of a look at all of their products, a chance to drive them on the track. They also revealed a product, which I have had to keep under wrap until now, but now I can finally talk about it. Yay. Uh, Maserati introduced the brand new GTS which is their Levante version. They have a Quattroporte GTS. Now it's the Levante version of the GTS. Now, we saw at New York Auto Show, they introduced... Levante is their SUV. If you're unfamiliar with Maserati, by the way, love Maserati. (laughs) If you're unfamiliar with Maserati, the GTS is uh, already on the Quattroporte. The Levante, which is their SUV, now gets a GTS version. So in New York Mm -hmm. Auto Show, we saw 590 horsepower introduced in the Levante Trofeo. The Trofeo is kind of like their all-out race version of their SUV. The GTS is the more respectable uh, version. So you may be more of a Trofeo person. I may be as refined and sophisticated and cigar-like and expensive wine type person. And Trofeo means trophy. Yes, and you're you're more of the trophy person, (laughs) the trophy wife. Oh, God. uh, You know. Whereas you might be more of the drinking engine oil, I'd be more into <laughs> expensive $1,000, $7,000 bottles of wine. Correct. That, so I'm a GTS guy. I mean, clearly, you can just tell by looking at me. Refined, nice Italian leather, uh, chewed by uh, people to make it nice and soft when you sit. No, not really. Chewed by your five no, dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the GTS is 550 horsepower. Wow. Uh, in, in a Maserati. It also, uh, it's beautiful. I mean, it has beautiful wheels. It has uh, beautiful uh, black exhaust tips. It's just really, really nice. They did a great job in designing this thing and retuned the engine. But I don't know. When you think of Maserati, what do you think of Maserati as? Me, uh, well, yeah. Ghibli. You think of Ghibli, which is kind of their entry-level four-door sedan. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're well-known for their GTs. They invented the GT segment uh, really with that with their GTs. They are the fine Italian car company, whereas Ferrari, who is their sister company, is more of a all-out performance car, right. race car company. They're the more refined, the gentleman, the hand-tailored suit, the hand-rolled cigars, the radio host type of uh, car. Oh, really? Right. Wait, and and not the really? radio producer kind of car? Uh, you're more of a, I mean, you like Chevy trucks. And fast cars. What are you looking at, Chris? Chris is uh, he's pulled up pictures of the GTS on his phone. It is beautiful. Um, there's also a Quattroporte GTS, which that was which means four door. Four, quattro, four, 
Porte. That's door. what I said. That's what I Porte. Said. Porte. <laughs> I'm just translating, Jen. Translating. It's a translation.com of that. This All right, is the so Italian version. The Italian version of the show. Uh, so, uh, my friends, uh, <laughs> Maserati have a whole lot of stuff going on. I sat down with Tim Kaniskas, who is the president of uh, Maserati and Alfa Romeo, and we talked about the future of the car company. He told me that they are going to have 12 electrified vehicles in the future, which includes, I will add, I will hasten to add, eight plug-in hybrids and four only electric Maseratis. Interesting. It's called Maserati Blue. It's coming soon. They're talking about having their whole lineup electrified. All right. Uh, today, packed show. Uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of cool stuff. Plus, uh, I was one of the first people in the world to drive the BMW X4. And I uh, did something bad. But have that story come up. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Start your engines, and they're off. Back to our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. Welcome back to our auto expert. Uh, on the phone, joining us now, Brandon Ramirez from Hyundai. Uh, Brandon, by the way, thank you for giving up part of your weekend to talk to us, but I'm excited to talk about the brand-new Santa Fe, which you unveiled at the New York International Auto Show. Is that right? Yeah, we're very excited about it because the, the Santa Fe is completely all new. Uh, one of the things I noticed about this vehicle is it's kind of been a creeper. So you have you had two sort of versions. You had the Sport and the regular Santa Fe, and the Sport was really sort of the two-row, the two row and, the, and then there was the three-row version of it. Does that same principle carry over? You may not have you know announced a Sport, but will there be a, a three-row and a two-row version? Yeah, so the the Santa Fe, the old Santa Fe Sport is now going to be re- replaced by the Santa Fe uh, by the Santa Fe name, and then the three row uh, Santa Fe is now going to be called the Santa Fe XL. But the redesign, complete redesign, is going to be next year. All right, so we have to stand by for for the redesign of that. So let's talk about the new Santa Fe that you unveiled at New York. It looks different. Yeah, it, it, it's completely redesigned. So um, at Hyundai, we have a now a new uh, face, a new new grill face, and it's called the Cascading Grill. And when you see it in person, it's very dynamic and bold. And when you drive down the road, you definitely know it's a Hyundai. I like the idea that uh, you, you've been stepping up your design. The Kona was a great example of that. Uh, it's almost, uh, you know, I would, I would even say that Hyundai got majorly aggressive in their design and taking a lot of risks where you see German car companies like Audi and Mercedes are doing sort of the same, uh, even even BMW's new uh, X4, they sort of went back to the old BMW designs of uh, maybe five years ago. You guys are really, your headlights are getting thinner, your your grills are getting smaller, you know, or uh, they're becoming more sort of stylized, more modernized. Uh, that sort of seems to be a theme of what Hyundai are doing, right? They're sort of getting more spacey on us. Yeah, exactly. What we wanted to do is we might wanted to make the exterior very dynamic. And then, as you mentioned, uh, it's going to have these very sleek, LED daytime running lights, similar to what that we have on Kona. And the, the headlights are down below, but it looks, uh, with everything illuminated, it looks awesome uh, driving down the road. Now, on the side profile, you can, uh, there's sleek character lines, but one thing that's unique that we, when we were do, developing the concept, we told the designers that uh, we wanted to improve visibility. 
And so what they did is they expanded uh, the glass area so that way uh, the people in the second row can have great visibility. For the driver, it's great visibility to see uh, the passengers' uh, vehicles on the left-hand side or the right-hand side. Now, the other thing that uh, you did with Kona, and I'm, I'm curious to see if this will be coming on Santa Fe, and I know uh, I'm going to get to drive it in the next uh, few weeks, but in Kona, you kind of went out on a limb with uh, some wild colors, didn't you? Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, we're, we're very excited because that, that's a very youthful vehicle. We wanted to come out with uh, very, very dynamic uh, very dynamic colors. Do you think the conservative uh, crowd, or the, the slightly, I'm guessing they're slightly more conservative parents who are buying the Santa Fe would, uh, would like the Lime Twist, or is that maybe just reserved for the Kona? Yeah, the Lime Twist is reserved for the Kona, but we will have like a, a lava orange, you know, so you'll Ooh. see it when you drive the vehicle. I like the idea of going crazy. By the way, I still think that the Lime Twist on that Kona should have been called Come On Want to Lick Your Lime. Because I think that's that. Or Kona want to lick your lime. Kona want to lick your yeah, lime. Kona yeah, Kona want to lick your lime. Because I think that was a better name for it. But I know that uh, Kona uh, had got some very cool technology in it, and and you you are a car company that has cutting edge technology. Um, and I'm going to ask you about that uh, in a moment or so. Uh, some of the new, the, some of the technologies that you've been uh, taking care of, um, especially with the communication technologies, um, with the uh, smartwatch that you can now do, and Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Talking to Brandon Ramirez uh, from Hyundai, we're talking about the brand new Santa Fe. One of the ideas that is something that you have managed to get catching on with people is your Blue Link and use of a smartwatch to operate functions inside the vehicle. Brandon Ramirez from Hyundai, thank you for joining us today on our Auto Expert. Uh, we will be able to go to our Hyundai dealer and test drive these right away. And of course, I once I've been on the event, I'll have uh, I'll much more to tell you about how much fun it was to drive the new Santa Fe. Brandon, uh, always nice to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Nick. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to our auto expert. On the phone with us is Roman Micah from the Fast Lane Truck. Uh, Roman, a good friend of the show. Roman, so there is action in the truck department like you would not believe with new models lined up and some sort of rebirth of old models. Let's start with what just happened in Detroit where uh, FCA's Ram brand decided to reintroduce a version of their classic truck. They're calling it the Ram Classic. It's uh, sort of a tradesman, a tradesman version or, or commercial drivers. They're introducing old-school Ram. Yeah, they're selling both the new Ram and the old Ram at the same time, and it kind of did the same thing with the Jeep. Uh, it's actually a very smart strategy, Nick, because it allows them to keep the line going on the old truck and keep money flowing while at the same time selling the new truck. And it gives people a choice. You know, there's a little bit of speculation out there as to why they're doing it. Some people think it's because of cash flow. Other people say it's because the new truck uh, is a little too elegant, believe it or not. You know, Graham used to have this uh, crosshair grill, right, that was just as American as apple pie. And they went away from that in the newest version. 
and people are a little concerned about the fact that it's not as butch, not as uh, tough-looking as the previous generation. So now you can choose. You can have the old crosshair grill or you can go with the new one. You know, it really is up to you. Do you think that uh, they will make enough money on just commercial customers and just uh, the base level model of the uh, sort of classic 1500 to keep the vehicle, you know, production line going? Or do you think it's just, uh, there just isn't that many fleet customers out there? Uh, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's that many fleet customers out there. You know, FCA, it's no secret that FCA that owns Ram has been struggling with cash flow and, you know, keeping the doors open. They own several brands that are very profitable, including Jeep, Ram, um, and they own several brands that are not very profitable, including Fiat. You know, they're bringing out new Maseratis, new Alfa Romeos, trying to make that brand profitable as well. Uh, Chrysler is kind of, you know, hanging on by the skin of its teeth. And so I think I think this is partially a uh, strategy to just keep the cash flowing so that they can keep making and building new trucks keep on moving forward. But yeah, uh, it's, you know, for if you're a truck buyer, it's great because I, I'm a big believer in choice and now you can get the new truck or you can get the old truck. And speaking of new trucks, uh, there's a new Silverado coming and that's huge. Keep in mind that you know, new trucks don't come along all that often. Uh, and there's a new Silverado coming. Me and you will be driving it pretty soon. Uh, and uh, the big news there is uh, they just dropped the fact that they're going to stick a four-cylinder turbo in a full-size Silverado. Can you believe that? You know, Ford, Ford are pretty big on doing um, you know, what they call EcoBoost engines, which is turboed smaller engines. So if you had, if I gave you $80,000 today, what would you go buy, Roman? Truck-wise? Yeah, truck-wise. Uh, I think I, you know, I love off-road trucks, so obviously we just sold our long-term Raptor. Uh, the new version of the Raptor is really, really good, so I'd probably seriously look at that. I also love the ZR2 if I was in the, in the mid-size truck market. Uh, and if I was looking at a heavy-duty truck, I'd probably get the uh, Cummins 3500 uh, Ram. I love that Cummins engine in the Ram. Uh, and, you know, all of those trucks can be had for not well under 80000 but certainly, you know, significantly under thirty, under 80000 All right. Well, uh, the check's on its way. Roman Micah from the Fast Lane Truck. You're always good to talk to. You're listening to our auto expert here. i got more cool stuff coming up. Homo News 1000 FM 97.7. Our auto expert with Nick Miles will be right back. Our auto expert continues on Como News. Here's Nick Miles. Welcome back to Our Auto Expert. I'm proud, actually, to call this guy uh, one of my friends, but he's, he operates at a level where, where I might operate at 10,000 feet. He operates about 100,000 feet. Uh, Bank Halverson is the uh, environmental editor at Car and Driver. Uh, Bank, you are really responsible for anything that uh, is environmentally friendly. Is that the best way to explain what your title is? I am. That's the best way to put it, Nick. And and I'm responsible for for what's inf- environmentally friendly in a in a staff that um, historically isn't so. You know, I guess it's fair to say isn't so environmentally minded. You know, at Car and Driver, we think first about you know what's really fun to drive, and you know what what gives us that um, that inspiration, that adrenaline rush. Um, what we you know we don't think we don't think um, we, we think about about that, that kick that you get from behind the driver's seat. Yeah, like um, a V8 or a V12, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm so, waking up. <laughs> and so I try to think of, about those those 
about about that and then what's going to engage what's going to engage that crowd that enjoys driving um, in terms of you know making a green vehicle choice you know within those constraints I so will tell I will tell you that there is only one vehicle I can name off the top of my head that meets both of those. Well, there is maybe more than one. I now think about it, but meets both of those criteria, and that's the new Jaguar I-Pace. I was gonna guess that you would <laughs> say that, Nick. I, yeah. I, I know you. Re- I know you really like driving it. I haven't driven that car quite as much as you have, um, but um, I drove it on an autocross, and I drove it a little bit, little bit past that, and and um, it's a really engaging vehicle um and and uh what separates that from uh pretty much any other electric all electric vehicle out there now like the te- including tesla is is its interior the as mini is to small cars which is like increasingly or probably the most fun to drive little car there is on the market um the jaguar i-pace is the same to electric cars it and yeah. and, and i i say it's it's the best car i've driven this year but but after saying that, I picked my new mini up today, my new John Cooper works. So who knows? <laughs> I might change. I might change. I might change my mind. There is so much going on in uh, legislation, in uh, politics uh, about EVs, plugins, hybrids. Uh, it's almost making your head spin. There are websites now who I would say many of them who used to be uh, very small, very niche. Uh, that are dedicated to anything that has electricity involved in a car. And now they're becoming somewhat of the mainstream uh, because the world is making its movement towards electricity. So your job became increasingly more important over the last couple of years. Absolutely. And, you know, my my place on staff isn't just to... Um, report about these things, but to become this sort of this sort of counterpoint where um, you know it, it's my job to say, well, you might not have thought about it this way, but here's the big picture view. Here's why. Here's why you know this is actually happening right now. And so with this sort of confluence that we have of you know we have the tariffs, we have um, it, we have China's really big picture decisions to um, to just you know, go really go big on electric cars, um, and there's no sign that that's going to stop, and so that's going to change the, the international market for for vehicles and electric vehicles, um, and so how that pans out in light of uh, the tariff situation is going to be interesting over the next over the next few years, um, and and the um, the battery business is kind of separate from um, the car business itself in some respects. I feel like I need a bachelor in sciences just to to have this conversation. It's uh, there's <laughs> there's so many elements. Uh, it's almost like different college courses in uh, in different things. Uh, Banked, yeah. it's always a, a a massive pleasure to have you on the show, and you've given us lots of stimulating thought to think about. And we'll definitely go to uh, to Car and Driver and read some more of your material. Please do, and don't and don't you know, and don't forget to go to carandriver.com for just the fun stuff too. Um. <laughs> oh well, that's Jen's job. She Yay. she does she does the fun stuff. Yeah. She does the gas guzzling stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm down the middle of the road. I like to pretend I like the environment, but I do like my gas. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. 
We're talking about so. Halverson. He is the uh, environmental editor at uh, Car and Driver. Banked as the environmental editor at Car and Driver, do you think that uh, the idea of, I would say, a zero tariff, which is what was proposed by the German automakers, would solve the problems of development of these, uh, I, I guess I don't really want to call electric vehicles a niche vehicle because they are no longer a niche. They're, they're moving towards mainstream. But do you think it would uh, take off any clamps on development of these vehicles? Or do you think a zero tariff on either direction is not the answer? I don't, I don't think a zero tariff in either direction is, is really the answer here. You know, um, we're going to have different, different currencies. We're going to have different, um, different kinds of, of international relationships and shipping situations. And, and, um, you know, this is, this is, this, this question here is a little bit, you know, beyond my pay grade and, and what I cover, but, um, it's 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 not the nature of how automobiles and vehicles are designed today. They're international products. Um, they're sourced from um, all over the world um, in in bits and pieces. And um, yes, we need to keep track of of what the domestic content in vehicles is. We need to keep track of of um, where all these smaller parts come from. And but ultimately one of the biggest pieces is where is this vehicle assembled? Where is the bulk of it where does the bulk of its labor come from? Where does the bulk of its eel come from? Some you know significant factors like that. What when we talk about uh development of EV vehicles, who's who's leading the race? Do we have to worry that China is going to be the leader and is is then going to hold the rest of the world to ransom? Uh, I would I would say you know what you what you said just sounded alarmist but it is it's a serious question China is going really big on electric vehicles and you know part of the issue is that China has has asked all along you know it won't allow foreign automakers to set up shop in the country they made a an exception recently for Tesla we're going to see how that goes and I think it's kind of a test case but so far any automaker who wants to go and set up shop in China is then becomes part of a joint venture with a Chinese automaker and that um, development uh, property and some of the intellectual property becomes the domain of that Chinese automaker. So the Chinese have managed to tech, to develop technologically at a really fast rate because of that absorption that they've made through car makers from the U.S. and Germany and and Scandinavia and, and elsewhere. And so. Yeah, we've seen um, vehicle development in China, electric vehicle development happen very quickly. Um, you know, China has um, just just the the rate that China is hoping for. I think China is hoping for something like sixty percent of all vehicle sales will be electric vehicles in China. Not not we're not just talking plug-in hybrids. What are some of the misconceptions about electric vehicles that Americans still have? You know. One of the biggest misconceptions is that the battery that you buy in a vehicle is, you know, is roughly on par with the lithium-ion battery you buy in a cell phone. That's absolutely not true. Uh, the life cycle of the battery in in the car is, is going to be much longer. It's a different chemistry. Um, it's designed to be, you know, to, to essentially it's designed to last 20 years, but it's designed to last, you know, 8, 10, 12 years while still charging up to 70 or 80 percent of its original capacity. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. I'm Nick Myers.
Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Hope you enjoyed the first hour of the show. Still to come, there is more excitement on the program this week. Uh, Keith Wilcom, the product engineer from Bridgestone, is going to be here. I assure you, if tires are super boring to you, we're going to change your mind about how you feel about tires. Did you know, Jen, that you can get better traction on snow if you pack your tire with snow sure it's true i know snow I on snow is that, snow on snow much better and uh, social media wise if you want to follow us 24 uh, 7 here's jen's home phone number it is <laughs> you can go to ourautoexpert.com <laughs> and uh, check us out all week long the old shows are there the previous shows are there in a podcast form you can either go to there or go to Podbean and go to Our Auto Expert and listen to this great show over and over and over again, all one million episodes that are online. Uh, plus, we have uh, Facebook, Twitter, and the uh, Instagrams. Instagram, you can actually follow the hashtag Our Auto Expert, or go to Facebook and Twitter where you can check us out 24-7. And Jen likes to post all the latest news. All right, more to come. Stand by. Don't go anywhere. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to Our Auto Expert. I'm Nick Miles in the studio with me is Jen and Chris. So, uh, Jen, I was in South Carolina at the BMW factory uh, where in Greenville, where I got to go to the BMW Performance Center. Green what? What are you saying, Chris? Oh, all right. It's actually right between. It's right between them. Greer, Greer and Greenville. Your best friend is? You don't have any friends here? No. All right. That's a whole other story. We'll dedicate a whole show to Chris's friends. Uh, so I was at the Performance Center, BMW Performance Center, and uh, they they brought all the Germans over, you know, and so I had a, I had a really cool race. What? Put your hands up. What? <laughs> yeah. they, they they brought all the Germans over to uh, help us drive these cars. So I had this uh, BMW X4. It had the M package on it. I drove it around the track, right? So the first day, they said, here's your car. Here's your driver. Here's your film crew. They flew a film crew over from Germany, two-man film crew. Wow. For the whole day. Drove this car around the track. Had a great time with it. So driving it around the track, uh, the guy, the first thing that the, the uh, instructor said to me was, Hey, by the way, thank you. And I'm saying, well, well, thank you for what? Because thank you for being a great driver. He says, I've been driving with journalists all week who have no clue what they're doing. You are a great driver. He's like, you're on my tail the whole way up here. You really know how to drive this car. I was like, all right, thanks. I don't really. Clearly, I was shenanigans, smoke and mirrors, fake performance. I, uh, but, I'm shocked. But I will tell you, after driving an ambulance uh, for uh, seven years of my life, I know how to handle heavier vehicles right. and you guys know as soon as i get into an suv on a unstable road i can throw that thing around really you know i can slide the back end i i enjoy driving those the smaller the vehicle gets so the x4 is kind of a smaller suv uh beautifully designed by the way brand new exterior really in bmw classic looks amazing handling uh however so get into this vehicle driving it around the track and they said hey there's a skid pad you're like let's see i'd love to go on the skid pad now remember this vehicle is all-wheel drive we took all the safety systems off. Even with all the safety systems off, 
Really having a hard time making that back end slide out. Couldn't put it in drift mode, so it's still all-wheel drive, so it's hard to make it slide out. It's got a lot of security systems. But when around this, it's basically a big concrete circle. It's sprayed with water. They have sprinklers going all the time, so you're driving in the wet just to keep it, you know, I'm going round and I'm going round and going round. So come in at lunchtime, so I'm going back on the track. I'm driving on the track. Well, I, I get a, I get an engine light come on, transmission light. Oh, no. I'm like, okay. Here's the deal. Transmission lights come on. These are pre-pros, most of these cars. Right. It happens quite regularly. They have to go back in, rechip it, reset it, find out what went wrong. Then they can change some settings in the car. The, the driver says, no, we're not going in. Just cycle it down, turn it off, turn it back on again. Let's see how it works. So I turn it off, turn it back on again. Great. Did really well. Come to try it the next time, what ends up happening? Same place on the track as I'm coming into the bends off the straightaway. Clearly, I'm doing something because it throws a transmission light again. This time, I can't get it to go off. Oh, no. So we drive it in. So they go in there. The guys go, all right, you know, just put it on. We'll put it up there. We'll diagnose it. Find out what happened. You know, this is the thing. 15 minutes later, go, why don't you go get some lunch? All right. <laughs> An hour later, I'm like, all right, what did I do? Did I really break this thing? Did I screw it up somehow? They, they turn around to me and they said, uh, yeah, no, we fixed it. It was just, it's just, you're pushing the car to its limits and it's not really designed to do this track thing. We've just changed the, the settings on it from the consumer settings to the race settings. So you'll be fine. Oh, okay, great. And we've changed the tires. <laughs> what, what? What do you mean you've changed the tires? Yeah, we changed the tires on the car. I said, oh, wow, you, maybe you should have done that this morning, first thing when I went out there, because these cars have been tested all week. And, oh, no, those were new tires this morning. Nice, Nick. Oh, wait, I've been driving this car for two hours. <laughs> you had to put new tires on it? What the, what's going on? Apparently, apparently... I am not the best friend of tires because uh, the skid between the racetrack and the skid pad, I went through a whole set of tires in two hours on this car. You know, thank God he's good friends with Bridgestone because, wow. Well, these wow. were actually, these were Toyo tires. So, oh. uh, you know, they, and I wasn't getting free set. So anyway, the whole day the Germans were like, oh, so how big is the radio budget? You afford new tires? <laughs> the whole day. Oh, yeah, I didn't think I heard of that. Uh, coming up on today's show, packed stuff still to come. Uh, you, you just want to stick around because we're going to have more stories like that. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. Welcome back to the show. I kind of promised you in the last break we were going to talk a little bit about uh, whether your mechanic was telling you the truth or not. Uh, that's because there is a new device that's available on the market, and it has some pretty cool features. Well beyond reading the codes that your car throws when uh, that check engine light comes on, it does a lot more. Peter York is with us um, to talk about this. It's uh, Peter, what's the name of the device? Morning, Nick. Uh, the name of the device is Voyo. And Voyo uh, basically reads the codes that your engine puts out. So when your uh, when your mechanic says you need a new alternator, it's going to say yes or no. That, that's correct, Nick. Uh, Voyo is a small, discrete device that you plug in under your dash to the OBD2 port of your car. Every car since 1996 has an OBD2 port. It connects to the Voyo Mobility app, which displays lots of different information about your vehicle for safety, convenience, as well as for security. We've recently released a new feature called ScanPro, which is a diagnostic uh, uh, test that communicates with all controllers on your vehicle and can get manufacturer codes 
the same way that a professional scan tool does. This is unlike any other consumer device on, on the market. Give me an example of how it would work. So uh, let's say my check engine light comes on. I, I go to the, to the app on my phone, and what would I be able to read? You would go to the diagnostic function. You would run a scan on your car, and the scan pro would basically pull up whatever codes were on your vehicle, both the code number and the name and a brief description. And then you can take this information from within the app and email it to your mechanic and ask them, "How do I need to fix my car? What is What needs to be replaced? And what will you charge me? This is compared to the scenario where you actually have to drive into a garage or different garages, connect to a scan tool, in order to find out what is wrong with your car and what it will take, uh, what it will cost to have it repaired. So uh, this, there is a million different branches. This is like almost like a spider's web. So you start in the middle, being able to understand what your car is saying, but it has implications beyond that, right? Because we talk about, okay, this is wrong with my car, and I can find out whether my mechanic mechanic is giving me the correct information. But then it can also presumably read all the other things that go on in your car as well. It can read a great deal in in terms of both the uh, operating condition of the vehicle, but also a lot in terms of driver behavior. Uh, Voil will monitor if you have a a child or a spouse or an employee driving your car, and if they've been doing hard braking, hard cornering, uh, have you used traction control or ABS, Voil will send out a command by SMS, email, or within the app that says that the vehicle is being driven unsafely. It will give the time, place, location, speed of the vehicle, at the time of the incident, and you can all pull that up, see where that happened within a map uh, within the app. Uh, this is, sounds very big brothery. It's very big brothery in, in one sense, but we give the users complete control within the settings of the app in terms of what information is collected and how it is shared. We are the only connected car system that has a data kill switch that if you don't want to share any information whatsoever in the cloud, that's entirely up, up to the user. And so uh, beyond this, see, you could, for instance, if you have a business, you could actually install it in all your business vehicles and then monitor the employees. If an, if an employee is getting into uh, an unusual amount of accidents, you can actually just not monitor the accident itself, but monitor how the employee drives outside of the, uh, the incidents and look at maybe their health uh, as an employee all over. That's correct. Within the Voyo app, you can create a network of vehicles and see all the vehicles from a single screen, where they are located, whether they're turned off or on, uh, how, how far the vehicle has been driven, how much gas has been used, and whether or not the person is driving the vehicle safely or not. Now, uh, before we got on the air, you told me that there was also some other features that the vehicle you were able to do. So if something was wrong with your vehicle, for instance, you got out of it, and left it running by accident. I know that you, you, some of the new, uh, newer cars, you have to hit the ignition twice to turn them completely off, and people fail to do that. Uh, so if you walk away from your car, it could actually alert you that you haven't uh, secured the vehicle. Uh, that's correct. This, this is a big problem. Uh, with the new keyless ignition systems, I will confess that I have left no less than three cars uh, walked away having left the engines on uh, with them. And this is not only a, a safety feature in terms of having your vehicle stolen, a security concern. Uh, it's a big concern because carbon monoxide will go through walls and actually kill people. Uh, Peter, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about how available it is and and how much it will cost. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, more about this revolutionary new uh, device that you can plug into your car and find out exactly what's going on under the hood. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. 
He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Peter York on the phone with me uh, talking about Voyo, which is a new device that plugs into your OBD port and allows you to find out all about what's going on in your car via a app on your cell phone. Uh, you guys started doing professional equipment before you got into the game of doing something consumer. Why did it take so long to come to the consumer market with something that everybody's going to want to use in their vehicle? Well, it, it took a lot to take a prof- what was, in fact, a professional diagnostic equipment, reduce it down to the size of something that you could fit into your hand, plug into a vehicle, and have just the average consumer set it up on their own within under two minutes. Yep. Uh, we, we have the basic engineering principles that we could apply to this device, but making it into a consumer-friendly device took a lot of time and effort. Is there, a, is there an ongoing monthly charge to be able to use it, or do you just buy the, the device once and then install it? No, you buy the device once, install it, and from there on, all these features are free. Uh, now, so how does the device actually communicate with your cell phone? So I can obviously understand the cell phone has a communication to data plan, which has a communi- communication to the web, but, but obviously it has to get the information from this little device that plugs into the port back to your cell phone. So the Voyo device makes a Bluetooth low-energy connection to your cell phone, and then your cell phone can communicate back and forth with the Voyomotive cloud for all the support and reporting functions. Now, I want to be clear, when you're using the Bluetooth low energy connection to your cell phone, you could still make a Bluetooth connection to the head unit of your car to use that for audio. All right. You can do both at the same time. Yeah, so that that's nice. You don't just sort of disable that as well. There's other implications of this sort of data that can be uh, used. I know that some people have done some uh, lesser... Uh, I would say, technologically advanced versions of this. But at the same time, it has sort of implications to uh, to make sure, uh, as well, we talked about as fleet, but you could also uh, perhaps use this to bring insurance rates down. We are in discussions with a number of different insurance companies, as well as service companies, parts manufacturers, uh, any party that basically would like to have you share your car's data with them in order to provide other types of services. For instance, insurance companies will be able to create their own apps using the Voyo data for a number of different services, for roadside service, for uh, emergency response. We're in discussions on a, on a number of different fronts that way. I, lo- I mean, I love the idea of doing this, but but now I'm thinking of all the opportunities that this has and all the things that it does. So, so, you know, how much is this device and where do you buy one? The device is $100. And as I said, there is no monthly fee. And you could go to our website, voyomotive.com. You could look up to see what information is supported for your specific make, model, and your vehicle. And you can purchase it directly from the website. And you'll have it in a couple of days. Um, and I like that idea. And then is there any uh, charge to use the app or that, that comes as part of the package? That comes as part of the package. And ultimately, presumably, uh, this is sort of suitable for somebody who also does their ho- own home repairs as well. If you have uh, a check engine light on and you're used to replacing some things, uh, if it's something that's in your wheelhouse, presumably you can just diagnose it and then get into the car and fix it yourself? Yes, it, it is the ideal um, feature um, app for people who are a do-it-yourselfer because you can go connect on the app, see what's wrong with your vehicle, go online, have a part delivered to your home, and never even have to go to a garage. I like that idea of not having to spend so much money on my car. Uh, Peter, thanks very much for joining us today. I'm kind of excited uh, to, to try this out and to find out more about it when I actually 
get it uh, plugged into the vehicle. Coming up next, more on cars. Uh, we're going to find out about speed. We're going to find out about uh, driving dynamics and, and chat about some uh, very exciting cars. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. Como News. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Here's Nick Miles. Welcome back to our auto expert. Every week he joins us. He is our mad professor, but really he is an independent investor and analyst, Anton Woolman. You can read much of his stuff at seekingalpha.com. Uh, Anton, uh, tariffs are a big and important uh, thing to talk about. Obviously, the landscape changes on a regular basis. But if you talk about things like China, China has... Um, has really cornered the market as far as electric vehicles are concerned. Tesla, the only company in China who has been able to set up without a Chinese partner. Uh, China seems to sort of be surrounding itself with not allowing any foreign vehicles in as a 20% tax on on, uh, U.S. vehicles coming in. Uh, what do you think the answer is? Uh, if you're, I'm going to make you president for a day right now. Go on what you would do with tariffs. Well, what I would do would be something that is uh, wholly unrealistic and uh, would certainly not uh, be the same as what the current administration would be doing. I'm, I mean, I would simply abolish all tariffs unilaterally and then see what other countries do. I don't think that uh, the consumer benefits by having to pay a special tax on any good that is sold by any party from anywhere, but that's not going to happen likely. I think that the best case that the administration could have made realistically, given its own stances on these things, is to emphasize the one thing they have said that I think resonates by most parties, and that is the so-called reciprocity. Basically, the U.S. could have said that Basically, whatever China wants to do, whatever tariff China wants to charge, 25 percent, whatever whatever investment restrictions they have in mind, we are simply going to do exactly what they do. In other words, if they have a 25 percent tariff, okay, we have a 25 percent tariff. Europe wants to have a 10 percent tariff as they do today or until recently. Well, we'll also put a 10% tariff. And then the ball essentially moves to the court of these other countries. And if they want to go to zero, if they don't want any tariffs, then if they go to zero, we automatically also go to zero. That is probably the most realistic path forward that could have been taken. And I'm not sure that um, the president administration has uh, has really uh, chosen to go down a path that uh, is going to be as fruitful as that would have been. So uh, let's talk about the Germans specifically, they seem to be a little bit scared about, um, you know, tariffs. And as immediately there was sort of tariffs introduced, they came to the table to a secret meeting with the U.S. ambassador to say, um, maybe we should play fair. Yeah, it's very interesting. Probably the single most promising thing to date, uh, so this is recording anyway, in terms of what could possibly come out of this, is exactly what transpired in terms of the conversations that the United States has had with Germany specifically. It started out a couple of weeks ago when the uh, association of the German automakers basically said, hey, let's all go to zero. And it wasn't even a proposal by the German government. It was really a proposal by the German automakers to the German government, who in turn would probably have to bring it up on a Europe-wide level. But nevertheless, it got some uh, publicity for uh, 
basically that the German automakers say basically are begging, please, please, please bring us all down to zero tariffs. Let's have a purely free trade world. And the U.S. really didn't respond very much directly right away. But what came out a couple of weeks later was that the U.S. ambassador in Berlin, the new newly appointed U.S. ambassador in Berlin, apparently had told the Germans that basically, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll agree to that. Uh, so now what? Well, as of this recording, we're still waiting uh, essentially to the answer to that because ultimately, the, you know, the German government will have to agree with the other European countries about this. And then they all have to in turn go back to the U.S. and say, well, can we all sign on the dotted line here? And as of now, that's where we stand. We are we don't really have this down on paper yet, but I would view this as the single most encouraging sign in all of these tariff debates to date that the Germans essentially are proposing zero tariffs for everybody. And it looks like maybe, just maybe, the U.S., there's some glimmer of hope that maybe the U.S. might uh, just uh, take yes for an answer for a change. We're talking to Anton Wallman. He is an independent analyst and investor, and you can read his material on SeekingAlpha.com. Anton, uh, it's always good to have you on the phone every week. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Files is coming up on Como News. Charge your engines, and they're off. Back to our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. Welcome back to our auto expert. He is our mad professor, but really, he is an independent investor and analyst, Anton Wallman. You can read much of his stuff at SeekingAlpha.com. As an independent analyst and investor, uh, do you think that, you know, with Brexit happening, a lot of car companies looking on moving their their uh, ideas or their factories to foreign countries, Land Rover Jaguar looking to uh, get to the whole maybe producing their cars in Eastern Europe? Uh, this is sort of another form of uh, tariffs, I guess, another form of production with car companies. Uh, the armor seems to starting to get chinks in it. Does that mean that you're moving into the idea or, or the UK is moving into the idea that perhaps Brexit isn't working so well? Well, I don't think we've seen the end game on the Brexit quite yet. Keep in mind that if, if Germany now is proposing zero tariffs in both directions with the U.S., why wouldn't they do the same vis-a-vis -vis the U.K., which is uh, clearly next door and where they already have zero tariffs in both directions right now, today? That would seem a little bit odd that they would so somehow treat the U.S. better than the U.K. in this regard. It would be really, really odd. So my prediction is that it is more unlikely than not that we will ever see any tariffs in either direction between the UK and the rest of Europe. Clearly some British automakers, if we can call Jaguar Land Rover British automakers, since they're owned by Tata from India, but they have already uh, opened production in multiple other countries, most notably in, uh, I think it's the Czech or Slovak Republic, where they're going to start making the Land Rover Discovery this fall, uh, and in Austria, where they have outsourced the I-PACE and the E-PACE to Magna, which is a Canadian corporation, I believe, these days, that has a big factory in uh, Graz, Austria. So their production has already started moving out of the UK, and I think if you look out maybe five years or so down the road, maybe they will even have a factory in North America. America. They don't yet have that, obviously, as of right now. But I think that as all the automakers are becoming more global operations and Volvo setting up their first factory ever in the United States, at least certainly in the last 40 years, 
I think that uh, that will be a trend that will not stop uh, by any of this. So let's you bring up a very interesting point and and the whole Magna idea. So so Magna are this company, Canadian corporation that have a factory in Austria. They produce the BMW 5, uh, the electric uh, 5 there, or the plug-in electric 5 series. They produce the G-Wagon. They produce the I-Pace and the E-Pace in this factory. Is this the way things may go in the future where third parties own the factories and car companies move their production around depending on where the tariffs go? I believe so, yeah. I think that this is going to be a trend, not only because of tariffs, because I, I don't think in the end that we will have a lot of tariffs. In fact, I think there's a at least a 50% probability that the tariffs are, if anything, going to go down. But I think there's another major trend that will drive the exact same outcome, and that is that we have all of these new automakers, all of these new Chinese names that are, in many cases, run by a bunch of ex-German, ex-BMW guys, and all of these startups around the world. All of these startups around the world cannot be running their own automotive factories. This is a scale game, and it, it requires scale, and it, and it requires skill. We've seen the travels and travails with Tesla, which is not exactly the smallest startup in the world. It's probably the largest or at least highly, most highly valued startup in the world. Anton Wallman is an independent investor and analyst. You can read his stuff at SeekingAlpha.com. I'm Nick Miles. More to come. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Well, thanks for listening to this week's show. Of course, you can find uh, plenty versions of our previous shows. Well, not there's different versions, but you can hear our previous shows by going to our website. We have a little website that gives you all the information about what's going on in the automotive industry, and that is OurAutoExpert.com. There you can watch videos from television. You can listen to these great previous shows. You can also uh, sign up for our social media. We have uh, three places that social media is very strong for us. Uh, we have about 50,000 followers on the Instagram. You can go there. It's uh, Nick J. Miles, N-I-K-J-M-I-L-E-S. Please feel free to direct message me as well. You can also go to our Facebook page, which is Our Auto Expert. Follow along, and you can see the latest videos that we post there, the radio shows. Jen does a great job of letting you know all the latest automotive news. And there we uh, post all the latest news that happens on Twitter. A very packed place to get lots of information. We'll be back again next week with more cool information about what's going on in the automotive industry and we'll have some pretty amazing guests and i'll update you on the world travel uh, as i go around the world testing different cars yep germany spain lots of places in our future that's all coming up thanks for joining us stay connected stay informed this is como news